well, Carl, I've taken a look at your finances here. And um, after careful review of everything, I really think they could use some work and some changes. And mm -hmm. it's a good thing you came to me mm -hmm. and did. Well, you know, I heard you're the best, so you know, I wanted to come to the best. So the only way to accomplish my goals is, you know, to come here and work out a plan and move, move forward. Yeah, that is a that's a great attitude, Carl. Mm -hmm. um, so to to start making this plan, uh, tell me what is it that you want for the upcoming year? Well, definitely to buy a house. Um, you know, I've been renting for the last couple of years, and I think it's now the right time to you know become a homeowner and you know. Mm. Yeah, house. Wow. Yeah, based off of these finances, um, that's a that's a lofty goal. Mm. Um, but you know, I, we can we can make it happen. It's just gonna mean you making some major cuts um, to free up some of your money because the things that you're spending on is is just a little excessive. Um, mm -hmm. Clothing and jewelry, and and it says here that you're spending around three hundred dollars a month at, at mm -hmm. Fitness Plus. Three hundred dollars mm -hmm. at Fitness Plus gym. How often would you say you're going to this gym? Well, I mean, first, I mean, let's not cut that up. I mean, this is a very you know great gym to have. You know, these have added some new high end equipment. Uh, there's a new juice bar, so that's probably why I, uh, you know raise up the price. Um, my my body is the temple. I mean, these triceps don't grow on trees. Okay, so we need to take care of that, you know. But but Carl, you came here asking for my expert advice. I am the financial expert in mm -hmm. all things finances, and I want you to reach this goal. Mm -hmm. And you're not trusting mm -hmm. me, so I want this for you more than it seems that you want it for you. Mm -hmm. So you have to trust me in this process, and I don't think you are. No, no, fine, fine, I trust you. Well, I, I, you're, you're the expert, so I trust you. Okay, okay, so we're on the same page here? We're mm -hmm. on the same page? All right, um, so about this Bitcoin investment. Oh, you can't. Good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to The Well here at STSA, an ordinary place where we say every single week extraordinary stuff happens when an ordinary person comes into an ordinary place, but hopefully meets someone extraordinary, which is our God and Lord and Savior, then hopefully extraordinary stuff happens. And I'm praying that especially for today, as we are wrapping up our series, Wander Lost, with today's message, and it's a series that if you haven't been following along, it's a series where I haven't answered any questions at all, I'm only asking them. I haven't given you no answers throughout this series, all we're doing is asking different questions, and we're asking questions kind of on two fronts. We ask questions here together on Sundays, and then I kind of challenge you to dig deeper into some of those questions when you get home Monday through Saturday, so hopefully you've been having a chance to do that. And if you have been, you know that the one question that I've been asking every single week is a very simple question, a question which doesn't seem like it takes four weeks to answer. And that question is, is what is it that you want? Okay, this light over here is making a strange sound. So if anyone can just make sure it doesn't explode right on me, that'd be great. Okay, it sounds like a hummingbird. So I'm gonna kind of sneak over here. Um, the question is, what is it that you want? Okay, what do you want? And we looked at this question, we said, it seems like a simple question because it seems like it's pretty easy to answer what is it you want. We all know what we want in life. But the problem is, what we've seen is it's tricky because we've all gotten what we wanted and then later wished we didn't want it so much. All right, we've all gotten that dream job 
And this is our dream job that we want it, we want it, we want it. And then what it does to our family life is it creates more problems than it solves. And we realize that that dream job was actually more of a nightmare. We've all gotten that relationship that we wanted, that who that we wanted. And then, like I said, after a few years, months, whatever it may be, we look back and say, what the heck was I thinking when I wanted that so badly? And I wish I could go back and unwant what I've wanted. We've all been there. We've all been at the place where we have insisted on our own way, where we have ignored advice of others. We have seen the signs. We've kind of fought through them because we know what we want. But like I said, as we get to the end and realize that we don't actually want it. So what we talked about after that, he said, while what we want is important, there's something more important than want. And that is, what do you value? Because you know that at times you can get what you want, but miss out on what you value or what you really want. And that was why we said more importantly is what is it that you value? But here's the problem with this. This is actually the whole point of this series is that value is not natural. We don't naturally gravitate towards the things that we value. We naturally gravitate towards newer, bigger, better, cooler. Okay, we gravitate towards what is available versus what is valuable. And because of that, that's actually the whole point of this series is that you can spend your whole life getting what you want and then get to the end and realize that you wanted all the wrong things. And that's the expression that we're using is the expression wanderlust. And the whole goal of this series is to slow down Instead of just rushing at 100 miles an hour, instead of being the fastest one to climb the ladder, we're in this series, we're taking a time out and asking, is the ladder on the right wall? Because I don't want to be the fastest guy to climb the ladder to nowhere. I want to make sure that I'm on the right wall. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example that came to me this past week that something valuable that if you don't ever slow down and think about, you'll rush right by this. Parents, I'm talking specifically to you right now. I'll come to non-parents in a second. Parents, I'm reading this book right now. I told you all, you know, last week I talked about my roles in life and I'm reading a book now to hopefully make me a better father. Okay, because we're right now in the 13 and 11 phase. Okay, so we discovered, parents, y'all probably know this one, you're all ahead of me, 13. Like there's a reason why they call teenager, okay, is, is different than like non-teenager. Like things just happen. Like they turn 13 and the switch just kind of flips, all right? So we're kind of in that new phase right now where our child, our young, innocent, sweet child is like a teenager. And you know what I mean? So we're in that kind of a phase. So I'm reading some different things about teenagers and things like that. And let me tell you something, parents, that you value tremendously. You value tremendously. But if you don't slow down and, 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 and take stock of where you are in life, you may miss out on this. You know what you value, parents? You value the respect of your adult children. You value, whew, that's much better. I thought I was going to explode. Okay. <laughs> you value tremendously, right? You value a relationship with your children when they no longer have to be with you. Like right now, your kids, they have to be in your house. They have to spend time with you. But you value, just like I do, that when they don't have to be with me, that they want to be with me. And in light of that, like you put in that context, what you'll discover is a lot of the stuff, especially parents of the younger ones, a lot of the stuff that we say that we want right now, which is clean your room, which is finish your peas, okay, which is go to bed. A lot of the stuff that we say that we want and we fight so hard to get what we want, in the end isn't really what we want because you may get that, but you may lose that. 
And if you gain that and lose that, then you got what you wanted, but you lost what you really wanted. You see how this works? Singles. I know I've been picking a lot on the singles this series. I've been picking a lot on the singles, but the reason why I'm picking on them, not picking, I would give attention to. The reason why, because y'all are at a critical time in your life. You're at a critical time in your life. The decision of who you're going to marry is the most important decision of your entire life. Every single day, my life is affected by the decision that I made to marry Marianne. Like once I married Marianne, okay, my life was put on a certain trajectory that is going to continue for the rest of my life. So this is why I say at this point in time, this again, I'm picking on you. I'm not picking on you. I'm just trying to tell you because I love you. All I'm asking you, I'm not telling you. I'm just asking you, are you sure that's what you want? That's what this series is. Are you sure? I say, what do you want? You say, I want that boy. And all I say is, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, he's got the nice eyes. Yeah, he's got the cute uh, the, 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 the hair thing, okay, the shoes. And yeah, he does nice, uh, good job, and he makes good money. That's great. But are you sure that's what you want? Is that sure that's what you really want? Because I think if I could go deep inside you, what you really want is a godly leader of your household. I think if I could go inside you, what you really want is to be happily married, not just on the surface and look cool in front of friends and everyone say, oh, wow, he's the best or she's the best. But I think you want actually the blessing of God in your home, not today, not tomorrow, but 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years down the road. I think that's what you value. And my point in this series is if you never stop to ask yourself what you value, you may miss out on it because of simply what you want. Say it this way, until we discover what we really value, we will likely settle for what we merely want. And I don't want that. I don't want that and you don't want that. This is why, this is why I do this, this is why I preach about this stuff. Because I know deep inside, I see it all the time. I know what you value. I know what it is that you really want. And I see you settling for what you merely want. I know what you want in the end. And I see you settling for something so much cheaper and worse to, just to get it right now. And that's why I preach with such passion about this stuff. Because if you never discover what you value, you will likely settle for merely what you want. School can't help you with this. There's no class in school about how to go against the wants and go for the value. Your career, your work ain't going to help you. Your work is going to show you the opposite. Every single day at work, they're going to show you wants, wants, wants. This is what's available. If you just work a little bit harder, you can get this. And if you just push yourself, you can get this. You're going to turn on the TV today for the Super Bowl, okay? And the people, unlike me, I don't watch the commercials. I DVR the game. I watch late, and I start an hour later, so I don't have to watch the commercials. But the rest of you people who watch the commercials, all the commercials are going to tell you is what you could have available to you and what you could have and what you could want, and it's going to tell you all. And nobody is going to tell you to stop, slow down, and ask yourself, is this what I really want? Is this what I value? That's what we're doing here in this series. We looked at this verse a couple weeks ago from Romans chapter 7, verse 15. St. Paul said that he shares the struggle. Like you could, sub, you could title this, the struggle is real, because we all know what this means right here. He says, what I am doing, I do not understand. What I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. What I will to do, I don't, un I, I don't do, and what I hate, that I do. I don't get it. I don't understand why I keep doing this to myself. I know what I want and I know what I value and I can see the difference. And I should be driving this way, but I always end up driving this way. I always end up falling for the short-term want versus the long-term value. And he says in verse 24 at the end of the chapter, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this body of death? He spends the whole chapter saying, I don't get myself. That human nature, we talked about this, a byproduct of the fall is that human nature is broken. 
is sick and it has something where it knows what it values, but it sees what it wants and it can't resist. And that's why St. Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's verse 24. And he answers the question of verse 25. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he spends the rest of, the, the, of his letter telling people about how, yes, how there is, there was a problem and there is a brokenness and there is a sickness in humanity. But then I thank, I thank God through Christ Jesus, our Lord, because here's the good news, the best news in the history of all mankind is that when God saw mankind at that point of sickness and illness and choosing what they want versus what they value and going in a direction that, like I said, it aches and it pains my heart to see humanity undermine their own success. That's where we are without God. We are undermining our own success. We know what we value and we constantly choose the opposite. You don't believe me? Go step on the scale and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because we know what we value and then we always undermine our own success. But God is so good. <clears throat> God saw man shooting himself in the foot and God entered into history and God steps out on the stage and God takes flesh and God becomes man. And God says, this nature, which you guys have, this natural living, which is this body of death, I will take that on. And then I will inject inside it, inside you, the opportunity, the potential for a new nature, a new natural, a new natural, which doesn't remove this natural because there'll always be this human natural, but I'll give you the potential to live at a higher natural, a different set of natural. And that is with me and my spirit inside of you. <clears throat> and we saw this verse right here, John chapter three, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And I told you the word saved, I'll give you a better word for saved. I say saved, you automatically think healed. That God sent his son into the world to heal mankind because you and I had something inside of us that was broken that chose the wrong thing. So then we said, the real question is not what do I want, not what do I value, but the real question is what does God want? That's all that really matters because I'm sick and you're sick. So you can't really trust a sick person to know what they really want in life. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say, you know what, God? I know I make bad decisions. I know I make bad decisions all the time. And so do you, and we have enough evidence. I could bring you one after another. And we could come up here and tell stories of how we have made bad decision of what we want is not really good for us. So you know what, God? I'm gonna take my keys, which I don't have anymore, but I'm gonna take my keys if I had a set of keys. And I'm gonna say, okay, you know what, God? What do you want? And I'm gonna do what you want. And that's kind of a scary thought for some of us. Because what does God want? He's gonna make me miserable. He's gonna just make me pray all the time and fast all the time and be miserable and dress in black with a beard. He's gonna, he's, God's gonna make me a miserable person. Well, then we looked last week and we saw what God really wants for us. We saw these words. We saw words like love. That's what God really wants for us. We saw words like patience. We saw words like goodness, self-control. I can have self-control. You know what the funny thing is, God? You want me to have self-control? I wanna have self-control. You want me to have joy? I want to have joy too. Like the weird thing is when we looked at this list, it was so foreign. We thought that what God would want for us, I'm sorry, we thought that what God would want would be something from us. And we thought that God would want us miserable. Cause that's kind of how we were raised is that if you do everything God says, you're gonna be miserable. If you do everything God says, you're never gonna have fun in life. Do everything God says, you're gonna be lonely. And we looked at this list and said, you know what? It's the opposite. If we do everything God wants, we're gonna have love. I like love. We like joy. We have peace. Like if you had a company that was selling love, patience, kindness, joy, faithfulness, gentleness, peace, goodness, self-control, you put that company on Shark Tank, you think they get a bid? Everyone wants this. So then, watch out. 
we had thought for many years, we had thought for many years that if I said yes to God, that would make me miserable. And now after looking at this list, I propose to you that the exact opposite is true. That it's you're not saying no to God that has made you miserable. And I think that it's your yes to God that is going to open up the door to joy that you've never experienced before in life. And that's my goal is to prove that to you today and show you how you can do that on a day-to-day -day basis. Because it's not your yes to God that's making you miserable. I think it's your no to God that is keeping you in that state. What we're going to do right now is we are going to go through two passages from Scripture, both written by the same gentleman, St. Paul. And in both of these passages, he's saying the same message, but with two different word pictures. And what we're trying to see is how we can keep this idea of saying yes to God in front of us on a day-to-day -day basis. He's going to draw two pictures, both the same message. Two visuals that you can keep in mind, whichever one you like better, you can keep them both. Two visuals, one message. The first one is going to come from Romans chapter 12. And St. Paul begins in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, by saying, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. The first word presents a problem to us right off the bat. Why? Because the first word of the sentence is, therefore. Therefore means what? Means you missed something. Like you cannot walk into a conversation, the first thing be, therefore. Like if you walk into the conversation and someone says, therefore, you know you missed something very important. Because everything that comes after the, sent the word therefore is based on what came before it. So what came in the first 11 chapters that made St. Paul say, therefore? Well, everything he spent the other, the previous 11 chapters of his book, of his letter, is writing about God's goodness. God's kindness appears a couple times. The grace of God, the goodness of God, how God loves mankind, how God is for us, not against us, is what he kept on saying. How God is for us, not against us, and how God loves us so, so, so much. And he uses expressions like he has sent his son. He talked about adopting us, talks about how he has moved us from Adam into Christ. Like everything up to this point was about the goodness and kindness of God. So because of the kindness of God, because of the goodness of God, therefore I urge you. And when St. Paul says urge you, urge you means like, come on, like, like, come on, like, pay attention to this one. Like, I asked you this, I asked you that, but come on, I'm urging you. Like, come on, come on, come on. Like, I'm telling you, like, pay attention. I urge you in view of God's mercy. And the reason why I stopped it right there, he hadn't asked us anything yet. He's about to ask us something. But a lot of us, you know why we struggle to say yes to God? It's because we don't say in view of God's mercy. Like a lot of us, and maybe this is the way you were raised, okay? Maybe a lot of people were raised in churches like this. Maybe what you heard growing up was, God's going to ask us to do something, and in view of God's wrath, you better. Okay? In view of hell, you better. In view of he's going to get you, because he sees all and knows all. Like, a lot of us are raised that way. A lot of people are, like, nodding their heads right now, like, were you in my Sunday school? Like, yeah. This is how a lot of people, this is the cheapest sermon known to mankind. Like, if I want to be a, a, a preach and, and have people's attention, this is the easiest sermon to give. Is that God's going to judge, so you better, and then fill in the blank. That's a cheap sermon. But what St. Paul is saying is not in view of God's wrath, not in view of hell, saying in view of God's mercy. And earlier in the passage, like I said, earlier in the, in the epistle, St. Paul talks about God's kindness in such a beautiful way. 
And he said, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And he's gonna follow that same theme. And I just love the imagery that what is it that's like urging me and pushing me to like make a change and say yes to God. It's, it's like, what is God nagging me with? Kindness. His kindness is like, okay, like enough, like enough. Like I can't take someone who loves me that much. I can't take someone who's gonna forgive me that much. Like that's what St. Paul is saying. Like I urge you in view of God's annoying, persistent, never gonna give up mercy for you. And then he makes a statement right here. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now you see why he said urge you and God's mercy and he set it up. Now you see why he didn't start in verse one. Because he's saying offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now let's just pause one second right there. I say, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You automatically, you read that and you're like, you know, and you come up with some kind of spiritual interpretation. Just because you didn't live in the first century. You didn't live in the Roman empire. You know, the Roman empire, okay? The Roman, like they had their God system, okay? Like the pagan system. And then, so he's Roman empire. And then there was Christians who were living in the Roman empire. That's who St. Paul is writing to. People who knew Jewish, Christian, and Rome, that's all they knew. You know what, all three? Okay, leave Christian aside because it has a different kind of sacrifice. But Jewish and Roman, you know what they had in common? They were big on sacrifices. And when St. Paul says sacrifices, everybody understood exactly what it meant because the Romans were big on altars and stuff getting killed on it. And so were the Jews. So as soon as he said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, they heard the word sacrifice and everybody understood sacrifice meant death. Sacrifice was never like, okay, here's a nickel. Sacrifice was never like, okay, I'll come an hour early. Like we think of sacrifice in a very watered down way. They hear sacrifice, they think death. Right away, automatic death. But then he says a confusing part. Sacrifice equals death. And then he connects it with the word living. Living means not death. Like the definition of alive equals not dead. Not, not alive, right? <laughs> like, so he put together two words. He's saying living, sacrifice. Living I get, sacrifice I get. I don't get how the two are mixed together. So he draws for them this picture that there should be, what he's drawing for them in this picture right here is there should be an altar and every day, let's imagine a cat, okay? And by cat, we don't like cats around here, but like cats, okay? I'm not a cat fan. I'm not any kind of animal, but let's go with cats, okay? Everywhere I go these days, people have cats. So let me tell you a little bit why I don't like cats, okay? So you go and you take a cat you put them up on the altar, sorry. And then you slice the thing in half. That's a sacrifice. And then a living sacrifice means the cat falls off into two pieces, puts itself back together, and then hops back up on that table because it's a cat and it's not that smart. And then you slice it in half again. And then it crumbles off in two pieces and then it puts itself back together and it crawls back up on the altar. That's a living sacrifice, a sacrifice that you kill and comes back alive and comes back for more the next day. And St. Paul says that should be the picture of not your cat, but you. And you say, that didn't make any sense. And St. Paul responds to that by saying, okay, this expression, he says, this is your true and proper worship. Other translations say, this is your rational service, your reasonable service to God. This is your logical service to God. How is it logical for me to sacrifice myself on a daily basis? How is that logical? Well, St. Paul's about to tell us. 
St. Paul's about to tell us why. In view of God's mercy. Remember, I said that in the beginning. Don't forget that. In view of God's mercy, not sacrificing yourself on a day-to-day basis is illogical. In view of what God has done for you, then not sacrificing yourself, not offering your body as a living sacrifice. That's the illogical. That's the unrational. That's the decision that I don't know what you were thinking. If you don't sacrifice, he's about to tell us why. Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's pause a little bit on this verse right here. Do not be conformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I like the expression, the pattern of this world. You know why? Because this world has patterns. This world has formulas. It has boxes that you're supposed to fit into. I remember this and young parents, y'all, y'all will get me on this one. Okay. People who have been parents, okay. Of young children, especially y'all get exactly what I'm about to say on this one. I remember we used to live, we live in Annandale now, but we used to live in Clifton. All right. In this little neighborhood called Little Rocky Run. I never heard of Little Rocky Run out in Clifton. Okay. Everyone there is like a young family. Okay. Everyone there is like a young family. And if you live in a, in a Little Rocky Run neighborhood, okay, it was, you, we always, me and Mary used to joke, there was like a curriculum you had to follow, okay? All the moms did the exact same thing. All the moms did the exact same thing. All the moms, first of all, you have to do swim team in the summer. Everyone, that's what all the moms do, okay? Then y'all sign up for t-ball in the fall. Then y'all do this taekwondo class after this, whatever. And then y'all talk about, and y'all read the same blogs? Y'all buy the same kitty products, okay? Y'all do all the same mommy stuff. Like there was like a curriculum that you had to follow and you just felt like, you know what? Like you had to be in that line because you went to baseball game and everybody was talking about the same stuff. And then you went to Taekwondo class and everybody was talking about whatever it may be. And you felt like you had to moms. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like this is like one of the biggest markets they say if you want to market product is the young mom market because there's like the curriculum. And if you can get your textbook inserted in that curriculum, you make big money give you another curriculum that you need to follow. How about when you're a college graduate and you just start working and you work for that consulting company or that accounting firm or that whatever it may be, you have to follow the pattern. The pattern is you work 80 hours a week. That's the pattern. You do that for two years. You travel, you go to happy hour. You don't even want to go to happy hour, but you know you have to go to happy hour because that's how you get ahead. And you know that you have to get promoted by a certain period of time. And if you don't get promoted, then I don't know, your head explodes or something like that because you have to follow the pattern. Well, who said these are the patterns? This is the pattern that the world is always pushing on us. What St. Paul says right here is there's a pattern and the pattern leads to broken. And the pattern, imagine the moving walkway, okay? That everyone's on this moving walkway and you have to fit on the end of the moving walkway. What St. Paul says is a waterfall that crashes into rocks. So do not be conformed to that pattern because the pattern ends in death. And the pattern ends in a very, very, very bad way. But what you need to do is you need to sacrifice that pattern mindset. And you need to offer your bodies. And when you do that, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what transform means? Greek word for transformed. Metamorphosis, okay? Which comes from, which we get the word metamorphosis. Which is, what's metamorphosis? The caterpillar into the butterfly. Okay, that's what metamorphosis is. The caterpillar, okay, the little guy, goes in the cocoon, comes out, metamorphosis, whole new being. And what St. Paul is telling us, you got to get out of the pattern. You got to stop following the curriculum. And when you do that, when you sacrifice, and when you sacrifice and say, living sacrifice, offer myself up, I'm not going to go on this path. Then what happens is you open yourself up to God transforming you into something that you are not. And something that you can never become on your own. And I'm telling you, the reason we do everything we do here in church, 
the reason we read the Bible, the reason we say the prayers, the reason we go to church, the reason we life group, the reason we serve, the reason we give is to get to transformed. Think of it this way. Imagine you build a house, you buy a piece of land, you build a house from scratch. You build it with your own hands. It's a $1 million house. It's the nicest house in the whole wide world. You love this house. And then you give it to your child to live in that house. You go away on vacation. You come back. Your child has destroyed the house. What will you do with the house? Burn it and burn the kid in it. What will you do with it? Leave it for the cats? Like what would you do? You'd roll up your sleeves and you'd fix the house because it's my house. And I don't care what you say about my house. No one's going to drive down this street and say, look at Father Anthony's pathetic house. For my honor and my dignity, you will say, this house, well, I'm going to rebuild this house. And that's exactly what God is doing with each one of us. That's what God wants to do with each one of us. We're the house and we messed it up. He left on vacation and we messed up the house. We broke the house. We admit it. We broke the house. Adam turned over there. Eve went over there. Next thing you know, the serpent, there's apples flying everywhere and we broke the house. The house is broken. But God says, I want to come rebuild my house because it's my house, not your house. But you got to cooperate. How, God, what do I need to do? Is every day offer your body as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means the pattern of this world. Say, I sacrifice it. That means to say, the world is telling me, you know what? I need a bigger house. No, I don't need a bigger house. The world is telling me I need more money. No, I don't need more money. The world is telling me I got to follow the curriculum so I get approved by, you know, what's her face. And I say, you know what? I sacrifice that every day. I need daily time to sacrifice what I want, my wants on a daily basis because this world pattern is strong. It doesn't go away overnight. Like we can do it right now and we say, God, we sacrifice our wants, but that's not how it works. Because every single day, like I said, you're going to turn on that Super Bowl today and there come the wants are going to come swelling at you. You're going to show up at the office tomorrow and someone's going to tell you about her weekend and there the wants are going to come back at you. A girl's going to wear her engagement ring. Here come the wants go over there. You're going to see your neighbor's new car. Here come the wants over there. The wants are never going to leave us. We need daily time to sacrifice our wants on the altar of God. That's the first image. Sacrifice on the altar. Second image much easier for us to relate to in the year 2018. But now we're not gonna talk about an altar with killing stuff. Now he's gonna talk about a wardrobe and a closet. Look what he says here, Ephesians chapter four, verse 22. He says that you would put off, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's the second time he said spirit of mind. We're gonna come back to that at the end, but just hold that for now. Put off the old man and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and in holiness. He comes up with these terms, the new man and the old man. Put off the old man, put on the new man. What's the old man? The old man is like I said, that's the wants. That's what I naturally want. That's the I want to overeat. I want to oversleep. I want to binge on Netflix. That I want more money. I want a bigger house. I want, I want, I want, I want. That's the old man. That guy's not going anywhere. That guy's going to stick with you till the day you die. No, we wish we could kill him. We can't kill him. We just got to learn to deal with him. And what we're going to do is every day he's saying, that old man, think of him like a shirt or a shoes or a socks or a whatever. And every day, take that, put it over here, take it off and put on a new man. And the new man says, I don't want a bigger house. Take that off. 
I want a loving home. And every single day say, you know what? I want a loving home. I don't care about a bigger house. I want a godly, loving home. And every day, take off and say, you know what? I just want my kids to obey me and be quiet and go to bed on time. And say, you know what? What I want is a relationship with my kids when they don't have to be here. So you know what? That's what I really, really, really value. And that's what I want. I put off just getting them to obey, just shut up and obey. And I put on getting them to have a respectful, loving relationship that will last for many years. I need a daily time, not just to put off the old man, sacrifice the old man. I need a daily time to put on the new man and commit to what God wants. <clears throat> Last week, we did this exercise about like, what are they going to say about you at your funeral? And what we saw there is what God wants and what I want are exactly the same thing. What I really want is I want legacy. I want character. I want relationships, not accomplishments. I think I want accomplishments, but that's what I'm saying is my goal today is not the accomplishment. My goal is the relationship. So every day I take off and I put on. Take off the accomplishment, put on the relationship. I take off the short-term win, I put on the long-term legacy. I take off the what have I done, and I put on the who am I, because that's ultimately what God wants and what I want, and I need to remind myself of that on a day-to-day -day basis. One of the things that's nice in our church Okay, that we see one of the rituals of our churches. This morning we had a baptism, okay, for those who are here. And after baptism is another sacrament, which we don't usually talk about too much. It's kind of short, and if you blink, you might miss it. And that's called chrismation. Other churches call it confirmation. And chrismation, another word for that is consecration. Because chrismation, just chrism means oil, okay? It doesn't mean oil, but it's the oil that we're chrismating the person, okay? We're putting this oil on him and we're chrismating this person. And it's Another way of saying we are consecrating this person to God. And in the ritual of the chrismation, it's a beautiful something that you may miss, is that person is signed with this oil, with this chrism oil, 36 times. You say 36 times, like, well, what's, what's the idea behind the 36? The whole idea is every single inch of this person's body is consecrated to God. So we don't just kind of, you know, one, two, three, four, five. It's not just like that. What it is is first sign right here on the forehead. Why? These thoughts... We're going to consecrate those guys to God. And then there's one on each eye. Because we need each eye. Not just the eye. We need each eye to be consecrated to God. Consecrated not to what to I want. I want to look at this. But consecrated to what God wants. God need me to look at this. And then we go down here at the mouth. We should probably put six or seven on that one, but we only put one. Because <laughs> we need this guy to be consecrated to God. And then we go to the ears. And then we go to the nose. I don't know how you'd use your nose, not for God, but your church thought that it might be a way. And then we go to the heart. And then we go to the belly. And then we go to the upper back. And then we go to the lower back. And then we go six times on the arm. Wrist, elbow, shoulder, like all over the place. Then we go to the left. Then we go to the right foot. And then we go to the left foot. And the whole idea is not just, that's why I love that expression St. Paul said, offer your bodies. He didn't say offer your hearts. You know what offer your hearts means? If I say right now, offer your hearts to God. You know what it means? It means nothing. I mean, yes, my heart, you know, when you, when, when some, you don't want to go to someone's thing, I'm with you in spirit, okay? What I mean, like, my heart is with you, which means I don't want to actually be with you. That's why St. Paul didn't say, offer your hearts. Man, I offered my heart a hundred times. That's easy. Offer my heart here, offer it there. My heart is with That's easy. Anyone call me on the phone? Tell, yeah, my heart is with That's easy. He didn't say, offer your hearts. He said, offer your bodies, because your bodies is much more concrete. Don't give me your heart. Give me that tongue. 
and say, this tongue belongs to God, not to me. Give me those ears and say, these ears, not gonna listen to those conversations anymore. They're gonna listen to these conversations. What we don't realize, what we don't realize is this idea of consecrating ourselves to God. St. Paul in both of these passages used an expression that we got to circle back to and see what he meant. What is in common between these two pictures with the putting on, the putting off, and the sacrifice on the altar? This was the Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, say it with me, by the renewing of your mind. And then we got this passage from Ephesians 4. Put off the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be, say it with me, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, so both expressions, both passages, he said, has something to do with renew mind. Something new in your mind. And that, what that leads me to say is this. Here's the whole series in a nutshell. Here's the whole series of Wanderlust in a nutshell. Here's everything. You've fallen asleep for the past half hour. You weren't here the last three weeks. You've been counting the lights for the past 20 minutes. Whatever it is, follow me here on this one. The whole series is this. Is we need daily time to renew my mind. I need daily time to renew my mind. And the day that goes by where I don't renew my mind is the day that I'm in trouble. Is the day that I'm dangerously, dangerously, dangerously close to settling for merely what I want and missing out on what I value. You see, this whole thing is a lot less behavioral than we think. It's more here than it is here. It's not really your eyes and your ears and your nose and your mouth and your feet. It's not, it's your mind. And if you can change this, you can change all this. You know how I know it? At the beginning of here, at the beginning of this session together earlier, I just said a very simple phrase, that you value the respect of your adult children. I said that. And a lot of people, I could tell by the look on their face, started to look at their behavior in a different context. I didn't change your behavior. I didn't say like, dads, gotta get home from work. I didn't say moms, go be more paid. I didn't say any of that stuff. All I said is, you value the respect and a relationship with your children when they don't have to. That's all I said. And all of a sudden, you looked at all your behavior in a new context. Because if you change your mind, your behavior will follow suit because your mind is the GPS of your life. Your mind is the autopilot. Where this goes, everything else follows naturally. Speaking of GPS, I'm one of those people that likes to outsmart my GPS. Like the GPS says this way, and I'm like, no, I think I can. And I, I'm, that's how I am. And sometimes the GPS, I know I need to go from here to there. And I've taken this way many, many times. And sometimes I'll ask the GPS just to see what it suggests. Okay, but then I know I'm doing my own thing anyway. And I don't trust my GPS sometimes. My GPS will say, actually, go this way. And I'll be like, no, I want to go this way. No, trust me, you go this way. And I start to, you know, go this way. And it's like, no, trust me, go over here. Why? Because the GPS, especially the ones nowadays, they're smart and they know traffic. And the GPS says, no, there's traffic over here. So I'm like, I don't know, there's no traffic. And because I don't trust my GPS, because my mind is, there ain't no traffic. I've driven this road a million times. But the GPS sees something I don't see. Every day that you don't renew your mind with God, now you know how I'm supposed to go. That's what I'm supposed to do. Eat your peas, kid. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to get this promoted. Like, I know what I'm supposed to do. And God's like, no, no, rerouting. Why don't I trust him? What does he know? What does he know compared to what I know? It's a dangerous place to live. And you know what I came to the conclusion? I came to the conclusion that I got too much at stake in my life to take matters into my own hands. Because you know when you really need to get somewhere on time, you trust that GPS a little bit more. And I got too much at stake in my life 
to play games. I got too much that I want God to do in my marriage. To say, you know what? I can go this way in my marriage. I think I can get there. I, I think God wants to do too much in my marriage for me to just kind of, you know what? I think God wants to do a lot here in this church and through this ministry and, and through all the stuff that's going on here. So that's too big at stake to me to take it into my own hands. That's too much. You may be smarter than me and stronger than me, but I'm not willing to take this into my own hands. I'm not willing to take my children who are my legacy and say, you know, I got, I got to cover my own way. I need every single day, renew my mind and say, this is what I want, but God, this is what you want. And every single day I need to resync my mind with God. And you know what happens when you do that? Let me show you a verse. Let me show you a crazy verse. A verse that's written in the Bible that is, must be crazy, crazy, crazy verse. Like a normal person cannot say what I'm about to say to you, but it's actually said by a very non-crazy person, which was St. John, the beloved, the one who was really close to Jesus Christ. He said, his commandments are not burdensome. First John 5, 3. His commandments are not burdensome. You could put a lot of adjectives at the end of that sentence that would fit better than burdensome, than not burdensome. Like you could say his commandments are not fun. And I would say, yes, they're not fun. You could say his commandments are not easy. You could say his commandments are, are difficult. But I don't know how you can say that all these commandments are not burdensome. You know why he said they're not burdensome? It wasn't a behavior thing. It was a mindset thing. Why would it be burdensome for me to listen to the one who I know loves me and is smarter than me? and has my best interest at heart. The one who gave himself for me, the one who has done nothing but try to heal me, and the one who already looked at last week before, the week before, is not wanting from us, but for us. So I would say to you that when all of a sudden you see God as for us, not against us, his commandments are not burdensome. Now I'm just saying they're easy, but you know what? That's a guy whose mind is reset. We need regular time with God to reset our mind, reset our focus on what's really important. We don't need to force ourselves. We need to reset our minds. We need to force our behavior. We need to reset our minds. Now, here's the good news for you. We're wrapping up this series here today. And in two weeks, we're going to start a new series. Okay, we're going to start these life group things that you see over here. And hopefully, you're able to sign up for a life group. Life change happens in circles, fun stuff. In that series, what we're going to be talking about is this exact subject. We're going to do a series on prayer. And it's actually not a new series. It's an oldie, but a goodie. We're doing a remix of the classic 2013 series, which is actually about this very same topic, about building a house of prayer and different kinds of prayer. And what we're going to do for the six weeks, starting in two weeks, is we're going to look about how prayer is not necessarily what we think it is, but prayer has different shapes and different appearances and different forms. And we need to be men and women of prayer, not men and women who pray for 600 hours a day, because none of us can do that, but we need to be men and women whose minds are reset on a daily basis. And there's too much at stake in your family and in mine, in your job and in mine, with your children and mine. There's too much at stake to try to do this on our own. Last verse, then I'm gonna bring the music team up here to finish us off on a good note. I'm gonna go back and read that passage from Romans 12. No explanation, just kind of read it straight through because I kind of dissected it, but let's read the whole thing right now, and then we'll see how it concludes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, this is not from me, this is from St. Paul, hear it his voice, not mine. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Watch how he finishes up here. 
Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And he clarifies his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know how many times I get asked, what's God's will? What's God's will? What's God's will? What's God's will? How do I know God's will? How do I know God's will? Well, St. Paul answers it for us right here. He's saying, you focus on the offering of yourselves. You focus on not being conformed. You focus on the letting God transform you. And then you know where you're going to end up? Just like we saw a couple weeks ago. That when God has his way with you, you're going to end up exactly where you want to be. Because God's way with you will always be good, will always be pleasing, not just to him, but pleasing to you, and will be perfect. Because what we realize throughout this series, if you've got nothing else, is that what God wants is not something from us, but wants something for us. And when you go deep, 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 deep inside to what God wants for you, you're going to hear words that you love. You're going to hear words like legacy, words like character, words like significance, words like purpose. This is what God wants for us. This is God's will for us. And the way we discover it is by daily putting on and putting, putting off and putting on and offering our bodies up as living sacrifice. I'm gonna invite the music team to come on back up here. We're gonna end the series by singing a nice song that we sang earlier about how God is our good, good father, okay? And that's the key for us is resetting this up here. Yeah, I unplugged that microphone, sorry, I unplugged it. Is the resetting this. And if we can reset this thing and keep that image in our mind, okay? That God is our good, good father and it is our delight. Okay, like I said, it is not an illogical thing to sacrifice yourself to somebody who has proven that they're good and they want your best interest. It's the most logical thing that you'll ever do. And my hope is that we can do it now together as a church family and then continue to do it on a day-to-day -day basis going forward. Let's stand together. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. 
You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Oh, it's love so undeniable. I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable. I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love love you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and i'm loved by you it's who i am it's who i am it's who i am in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit one god amen lord you are a good good father and truly, Lord, if we sat here all day and all night, we can never recount the number of ways that you've blessed us and, and shown kindness and mercy and grace upon grace, Lord. For that, we thank you infinitely. How foolish are we, Lord? Forgive us for, for not seeing your goodness and thinking that somehow we are more good than you and like we're smarter than you and we have a better way. Forgive us, Lord, for that and help us on a day-to-day -day basis to sacrifice my wants for your wants to put off my way of thinking and to put on your way of thinking, Lord, because we know that ultimately in the end, that's the best decision in our own best self, selfish best interest is to give ourselves entirely to you. We thank you, Lord, and we love you and we praise you and we pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and the boldness, Lord, on a day-to-day -day basis to sacrifice our wants for what you want for us. We pray these things in the mighty name of your Son, the prayers of all your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.